0: Welcome to Good God, conversations that matter about faith and public life. I am your host, George Mason, and I couldn't be more pleased than to welcome today to our program, Jen Hatmaker. Uh, Jen, we're glad to have you with us.
1: Oh my goodness, my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. Thanks for the invitation.
0: Sure, sure. So Jen is a, uh, a writer, a really, uh, how many books now, Jen?
1: Oh Gosh, if you can believe it, 12.
0: I don't books. even know what I've
1: said. I okay. I don't know anything else. That's got to be the end of it because I don't know anymore. I've said everything I know.
0: <laughs> well, you know, a, a, a really um, wonderful figure in uh, the Christian community and beyond, and especially, I think, uh, helpful to women trying to find their place uh, in the church and society. And, uh, uh, Jen, you, uh, we're, we're going to be uh, putting this conversation on podcast row, you know, wherever you get your podcasts and YouTube and Facebook and all that sort of thing. Uh, but you, you've got Instagame. Uh, you you really have, uh, you're out there with the cool kids and doing your own podcast and uh, and staying connected to people. So uh, we appreciate you joining us on, on this program.
1: I am so glad to do it. I don't know that I'm with the cool kids at all, but I do. It's, it's, podcasting is one of those avenues right now that are still incredibly available to us it's a way for us to connect right now it's possible Um, we can still record from our homes and people can still listen wherever they're at and so it does feel like a great way to just connect with and build our communities
0: especially during this uh, coronavirus uh, lockdown or um, safe at home or whatever we're calling it which is falling apart right now honestly Ugh, right you It, know, is, it is, isn't it uh, we, we just like everything else in our society we can't seem to agree that yeah. sociology and science matter and that uh, know. you know it, it's in it, it's all about uh, personal liberties and freedoms and what it's 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 a crazy time isn't it
1: well and you and i are both in texas where it just seems like all of a sudden um The greater good the good of our neighbors and and neighborhoods and communities and just reason and science just it just felt like they just went right out the window just overnight um there are there are parts in austin here and and outside of it that if you were to walk in you would not even imagine anything was going on at all in the world you would not even know and so that there was a pandemic and and so yeah i'm worried about that too I'm worried yeah, about that. To I'm, me,
0: it feels like it's not really an overnight thing. To me, it feels like it's the culmination of this sort of long brewing suspicion of science and fear of government and yeah. control and all of that, that, that you and I have known from the church community uh, and the subculture right. of evangelicalism for a long time. And it just, it seems like, okay, now it's just out in the open and it's in the corridors of power and we're just shocked by it, but we really shouldn't be.
1: You're right. And and it is disheartening to see the fault lines of some of that like political ideology, which is now we find ourselves in this bizarre world where the pandemic has become partisan, um, which is absurd by any right. measure. Um, but those fault lines arcing precisely and predictably with kind of Evangelical Christian subculture—it's just the same, the same arc. And so, really right when, right when you would imagine that the body of Christ would be the absolute first in line to be most concerned about our neighbors, most concerned about our health-compromised friends and family and loved ones, um, the absolutely most willing to put aside personal liberties for the greatest good you would think that we would lead that charge and it's it's discouraging um that we're actually leading the dissent against yeah, that yeah. sort of precaution it really is Yep.
0: Yeah. well you've written a new book and it's called fierce free and full of fire uh and there's a picture of it right there and I, I have read I it.
1: tried to title it something so hard and long and impossible to say or remember. And I just feel like I really nailed it.
0: It's a very F book. Uh, you know. <laughs> it is. <laughs>
1: it is. We call it the F word book
0: yeah, um, yeah. internally. Exactly. So
1: yeah, that's exactly what it is.
0: But it's, it's subtitled the guide to being glorious you. And, yeah. and I, I think, you know, as, and I did read it yet. So, uh you know, oh, I I, I, I do what you to know. You have this male audience of a sixty-three-year-old male pastor who's
1: finally. Folks. I've been going yeah. for your demographic forever.
0: I know. <laughs> I can tell. Exactly. <laughs> but I do have a, a wife who follows you, and uh, two daughters, uh, adult daughters, and lots of women colleagues uh, who. Uh, uh, are really grateful for what you've done. So it's good I for me that. to uh, be along the on the journey too. I
1: love that.
0: Uh, anyway, but you know, as I as I read your book and as I've followed you, I, I have this image, right, of of uh, Kim and I, my wife. We you know we walked the neighborhood some uh, a lot more lately, yeah. Uh, and occasionally, when we're really playing by the rules, we're on the sidewalk, and uh, some every once in a while, you'll come upon this part in the sidewalk. Where it looks like it's just sort of going up like a drawbridge, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's a tree root that mm-hmm. just it has grown to such an extent that it is it's disrupted the concrete, right? Mm-hmm. And the sidewalk is 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 all uh, out of out of kilter, and it's it just can't contain it any longer. And it mm-hmm. you know it, it feels to me like reading you that that this is sort of your story that there was a you know at one time uh, you know. It, there was a paving right over who you were, uh, mm. in, in a sense, and but it did not account for for the aliveness, for the growth, mm. for the change. And there came mm. a point at which the patriarchy, the controls of mm. society and the church in particular, and a, a theology that would keep you from growing, uh, couldn't contain it any longer. Mm. And I think that's the story for so many women, uh, in fact, in, mm. uh, that, that you're appealing to in the way uh, that uh, that you write and the story that you tell, and the permission that you give uh, for mm. for women to be themselves.
1: I love that metaphor. I love that because sometimes that sort of disruption uh, is is cast as so negative or um, a falling away. Somebody wrote something about me and called it, this was my deconversion and when the truth was it was just growth it was new life it was something springing up to bear fruit Um, and so that is a really lovely way to think um, about what's going on in my life and i think in the lives of a lot of people right now and you know too you lead you lead men and women who are doing the hard work of clearing some room for new life and for growth and for evolution and that is not easy inside subcultures that are predicated on staying the same and on unanimity and on these sort of standard norms and group rules that we're expected to follow Um, and so it can be a real courageous act to choose to let the um, the the root come up underneath the pavement really I I really I'm not going to forget that I really love that metaphor
0: Um, You know, you you talk in your book about Sarah Bessie's line about how if we come to the end of our life and all of our beliefs and opinions are the same, we've been doing it wrong. Totally. And uh, there is something dynamic about uh, the gospel itself, Mm -hmm. it seems, that is always crossing barriers, always taking us new places. And I I think, you know, there's, I, I guess I suppose I get the idea that there has to be continuity across time about the faith once delivered. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, at the same time, it, it does seem to me, we, if we are Easter people we and, and Pentecost people, we, we do yeah. have a sense that there, that Christ is loose in the world somehow and that Absolutely. there is uh, he's taking us in all sorts of new places and the Spirit blows where she wills
1: that's exactly right. And I that to me is a wonderful relief and, and and a discovery of adulthood um for me to be able to embrace and receive that. The the teeny little two line bit of the of the gospels that have always served me, that have really, really taught me this actually included in Fierce in the chapter on spiritual curiosity. But it is that just old this minute that Jesus talked about those wineskins mm-hmm. and how that's a container and the container holds as long as it can Mm -hmm. Uh, it stretches as far as it can go but at some point the container has just outlived its usefulness It's, it's brittle it's stretched to capacity and it has no more room for expansion for any new wine and so the, the wine constantly needs new wine skins. And so as you, as you talk about continuity, the wine is just good. And it lasts generation to generation, culture to culture. What's good and true about God and Jesus is always. Um, but the containers bear examination. Every, one, every generation has to do their own work on reevaluating the capacity of the container they're keeping in it. And I think that's what this work is. Um, but you know, the story is even a little violent. Like if you keep shoving it in an old container beyond its capacity, the whole thing will burst. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll ruin the wine. It'll ruin the wine skin. And so it is kind of a, a violent experience to mm-hmm. be able to say, this has outlived its, its time. It served us while it did. And now we're going to kind of reconsider the form, um, and I think that's where tons of of Christians are right now. It's it's a really wonderful community of of spiritual spiritually curious people.
0: Well, you mentioned that, so I, I think it's interesting that you represent a, a beautiful example of uh, someone who has been moving in her faith, someone who has been. Um, Angling more toward openness, toward big-heartedness, toward uh, a kind of uh, commitment to solidarity with the marginalized and the vulnerable yeah. and uh, that sort of thing to, uh, uh, to to being willing to affirm who you are, not just conform to what others want you mm-hmm. to be. And uh, that's a, a big part of the message of the book, but it's also, uh, something we're seeing more and more among others who have maybe grown up in this more uh, tightly controlled uh, evangelical world uh, where there is uh, not just uh, about the the nature of your theology, but the nature of your cultural conformity uh, sure. at, the, at the same time. And we're seeing figures uh, more publicly being willing mm-hmm. to articulate that why do you think uh, that's beginning to happen more and more and the more it does it seems the more it does and that's Mm -hmm. to me a pretty exciting development but it does feel like there's something going on in the spirit out there
1: it does and i think that's at its core i you know i my understanding of the spirit is that the holy spirit has just led us deeper and deeper into freedom with every passing year. That's the work of God unleashing the world. And and we see that. We kind of see the arc um, throughout history. And so I think this is deeply the work of the Spirit. And then kind of what I see um, is something we've seen before. There's precedence for it, which is any sort of forward progress. You know, a lot of people call this the progressive Christian community, which has a feeling to it. Now it's, uh, it's probably been robbed of its meaning um, at this point. But just this sort of progressive forward nature in understanding God more and loving him deeper and carrying out the kingdom um, to a greater degree in our generation. It seems like every single generation of Christians has a handful of lead blockers, you know, who kind of, for lack of a better term, they just go first. They go first and they clear some path. They take a lot of hits Mm -hmm. and they're both loved and hated for their strength um, in, in that position as, as being kind of a lead blocker, but they do make way for people to come behind them, right. um, right. with some, with less injury, if you mm-hmm. will. Um, mm-hmm. and so I think that's what we're seeing too. I think we've had some really important lead blockers in our time yeah. and they have created possibility.
0: Rest in peace, Rachel Held Evans. That's right. Uh, being an example of Just that I of think as well. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think you're right. You know, when a, a few years ago, uh, you and Brandon made the decision as I did, uh, about mm-hmm. the same time, uh, yep. that we would be, uh, LGBTQ affirming yes. and help our churches get to that po- point. And it right. was, um, uh, it was exhilarating and it was, um, deeply painful too, wasn't it?
1: Yes. Um, That's it, you couldn't be more right on both counts.
0: Yeah. So um, I, we learned a you know, lot from
1: you. We, we were watching you, by the way, and yeah. felt very kindred uh, mm-hmm. with you and your faith community virtually at the same time. Yeah. And your leadership, and, and it, it lent us a lot of strength and yeah. courage and language. You've been a, a mentor to us. And so we're deeply grateful for your witness and your courage to what we, of course, believe is just doing the right thing.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, right. Exactly yeah. right. And you know, if it's not as some of my um, friends who left our church, and there were plenty yeah. of them, um, they they asked me, you know, do you, do you think you could be wrong about this? Yeah. And I said, well, you know, maybe so. But uh, if I'm wrong, I'm willing to take the risk that I stand before God and say I actually took that grace thing really seriously. Uh, that. <laughs> You know, and, and I'm sorry if mercy overcame my commitment to the law. And you know, okay. I, I only halfway uh, am, am joking about that, and, and but I was serious with them when, when we had those conversations because they were earnest about about their right. position too. Look, um, we we can't always know that we're right, but yeah. but we're we're supposed to we're supposed to make a commitment to following the path that's before us as best we know. And That's right. I remember um, when, when I started to do, to do this, it, you know, I'm, I'm sort of at the tail end of um, the logical arc of my ministry, uh, mm-hmm. and I thought, okay, you know, uh, yeah, I was 27 years the pastor of this church and people were saying to me, oh, but your legacy, oh, but your legacy, you know, and I'm sort uh. of like, oh, but my kids, oh, mm-hmm. but my friends uh, who are gay, oh, but, yeah. and how That's am right. I going to look myself in the mirror someday? If, um, if I say, oh, I, I was protecting my image. And, That's right. You know, you just, you know, just can't do it.
1: No, so. you really can't. And I hit the exact same impasse. And, you know, I, I had a public ministry in a similar space in mm-hmm. sort of evangelical women's right. subculture. Mm-hmm. And it was, I was very rewarded for my work there and it worked for me. I, that's my first language. It's my native tongue. Um, I understand all the rules, both explicit and implied. Mm -hmm. Um, I know how to hit my marks. Um, I can do it with, um, charisma even, which is doubly rewarded. And, but my internal tension had grown to such a boiling point and you know, obviously this particular, um, issue, forefront, Mm-hmm. Um, what the, the LGBTQ community and um, my refusal to stand with them and by them in favor of self-preservation. Um, but it was more than that too. It was um, women in authority. It was um, the protection of abusers. It was this lingering, weird aversion to doing the work of dismantling white supremacy. It was a lot. Right. Right. And all of that just built and built and built and I knew that those questions, those conversations, and those types of allyship would be punished. I knew it. Of course, I'd right. seen it. You've seen it. We knew. Yeah, absolutely. We knew what was happening.
0: Right. But
1: you I You had betrayed
0: them. us, yes.
1: We knew. But it was either I was gonna get to hang on to my career as I knew it, as I built it, or I was gonna get my integrity. But I didn't get both, they were contrary. And so um, I picked integrity, I picked my neighbor, and I feel like it's the best decision we ever made. And the only regret, the only regret that I have is we did not step into that space sooner.
0: I regret and the I, years before. I, I totally agree with that. In fact, I, you know, I have apologized and repented. Um, me too. For how long it took me. Um, because I think that my, um, my heart was there before my head was and I wouldn't yeah. let my head get there. Um, because I knew the consequences. And and I finally couldn't live with myself until I did. So um, absolutely yeah. same. But, but the beautiful thing, Jen, and I, I know you're experiencing this as well, is we thought at the beginning of all of this that the choice was really to keep your career and these relationships or keep your integrity. And what we found is that We got this whole new group of friends. Oh my (laughs) God! We've got a whole new community. We've got people that that often felt, um, you know, exiled from uh, God and the church. And now that those friendships and the joy that we get to share with people, uh, it is wow! It's it was it is
1: unbelievable, isn't it? Unbelievable. uh, Brandon and I marvel at how expansive our life feels now. Mm-hmm. and what, you know, sometimes when you dismantle something down to the studs, you don't have a vision at all for what will be rebuilt. You don't know, right. and and you can't right. know. You can't right. possibly know what will come in that space, and we didn't either, but to see the rebuilding um, with these friends and this faith community, and even this wider world of the spiritually curious, which of course you, and I have also right. now discovered yes, where yes. hard questions and challenging discussions are not deal breakers. You know, they're not game enders. They're just simply right. a part of that, the fabric of being um, alive in the world as an as a mm. image bearer of God. And so that surprise discovery yeah. <laughs> has right. been the greatest joy. I just can't believe it. And I just want to go back, I, I just want to turn to the people who are where we were when it was that very terrifying, probably private secret inquiry, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. too scared yet to say it out loud, too yet to even give our, themselves permission to ask new questions of, of, right. of doctrines that we were handed. I want to just go back and say, oh, it's all worth it. Like there will right. be a cost built in 100%. We're not going to deny that. Right. But the beauty, the freedom, the community on the other side, I feel like it gave me my faith back, to be honest with you. I didn't want the faith I had. I certainly didn't want that God, that mean, punitive, arbitrary, terrifying God of vengeance. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm just like, I just would rather just live free. And so I feel like what has returned to me is this vibrant Jesus that I always suspected meant what he said. Um, But now I know he is good and good alone, he is love and love alone, and that is such a relief to be able to love him without cognitive dissonance anymore.
0: You know, I think that the the LGBTQ question actually revealed some things beyond the question itself, And, and that is how we understand the nature of scripture, how we make decisions as the people yeah. of God, how we discern in our own spirit what is right. Yeah. Uh, because uh, you, you say in the book a really nice uh, part about how how often Christians have thought about Scripture as the place you go to answer the questions
1: That's and right.
0: where, where Jews go to the, right. the Scripture and uh, it, it sort of just begins the conversation there. Yes. You know, it, it, it's an ongoing conversation with the saints of old and with the church across time, and it's a, yes. it's a lover's quarrel, and it's a, hmm. you know, all those sorts of things. And, and, and the fact is that to be faithful to the faith is not necessarily to make all the decisions that the early church made. Sure. It's to learn how to make them. The way That's the early it. church made them.
1: It's the path of wisdom. It is. Yeah, I learned that yeah. from Pete inns who I consider yeah. one of those important lead blockers, yes. and I learned that from Rachel. Mm-hmm. She did right. a lot of that heavy lifting inside of her work too. And I, I, do you know when you read something and everything in you just it's resonant? Like uh-huh. yes, yeah. that makes sense. Right. It makes sense that this is a conversation starter, not ender. It makes sense that faith. Moves with every generation in time and across cultures and spaces, and oh, it's such a relief to mm-hmm. to give it permission to be wild and free, um, to give God permission to do what He does without us just having to shrink Him down into a formula. Oh, I've never been so relieved in my life to read some of their work on how to understand the Bible.
0: And I, I think you know people often listen to that, and uh, if you grow in, in the Christian subculture, you. You sort of know that part of the argument is always about how God knows best for you, and you, you know, you, you don't understand that the boundaries that you're given are really for you and for your well-being, and you know, you can question them, but it, you'll only be hurt by, um, you know, violating them and these sorts of things. And you know, I, I think what happens is there's this this sort of suspicion that if we talk like this, and if we make judgments like this toward a greater openness and freedom and a commitment to that for other people, that we're now into this spacious world of permissiveness and licentiousness, and that That's there's right. anything goes, and there's no rules anymore, there's no, you know, so how do you even have a sense of, of direction, and, and have you deconverted, and all those sorts of mm-hmm. things. but but there seems to be this failure to recognize that if you don't necessarily have all the external rules to conform to the whole point was of, of scripture uh, and and the gospel is that you are being transformed internally that mm-hmm. there's a new compass here uh, mm-hmm. and and that you know that you're you're being controlled spiritually um, by your relationship uh, to to Christ not Uh, just by the accretions of time and what those uh, others have said about that.
1: Absolutely. And my experience doesn't even uphold that accusation. What I see primarily of people who have um, given permission, given themselves permission to transform and to grow and to evolve, to ask new questions, to reexamine, examine Doctrines. Um, my experience largely is that those are some of the most faithful people I know. Yes. Um, that that the that level of spiritual work in their lives has manifested in incredibly powerful ways in their ministries, um, in in the way that they love their communities, in their families and relationships. Um, I find those to be some of the best people I know. And so I think the slippery slope argument is lazy. And I think it's fear-based. You know, I think it's a trope to keep us um, in line and to keep the status quo in check, which, by the way, benefits the same people. It's always benefited. It's not neutral. There's a power differential inside that world um, that has operated um, on disparity for a very long time. So it's not as if it's altruistic entirely. Um, You know, we're asking questions of systems that have kept people out and down. And so we should expect some opposition to that sort of challenge. Well, that's right.
0: You you know, I was was on a a panel last night uh, about uh, the Book uh, the color of law and yeah. the film that came from it, the short film called Segregated by Design, and it's all about mm-hmm. the the legacy of redlining in our oh, communities sure. and yeah, and, and of course Austin, Texas was one of the first uh, big places of That's uh, right. uh, for this to to, the, to happen. And you know, it, it, right. just being the only white person on this panel uh, mm-hmm. was a, a great privilege, but also a great sense of responsibility. Because, sure. as you say, you know, it, we've had perhaps over time the privilege of being able to uh, sort of ignore the realities of yeah. all of these power differentials and all of these. Uh, you know, disadvantages that others have and advantages we have. And the reason we can do that is because we're benefiting by these systems. Mm. And and so, you know, one of that's the right. things that's happening in this transformation of how we view the Christian faith and how we understand one another in it is that it's going to be unsettling because mm. we had made commitments uh, to organizing the faith in ways that preferred some over others.
1: Hmm, that's exactly right. I mean, the the level of humility that this is going to take for true, I hate to use this old school word, I can't think of a better word, but like true revival yeah. um, in the American church is so high. Mm-hmm. The The number of things we are going to have to admit and repent from It's just, it's so monumental. I'll just be shocked if we ever do it. And, and it's going to have to come from people in power who have never willingly um, conceded their position, of course. And so, um, you know, I've come to just, this is all for me. I don't know how you feel about this. It's clearer. It's almost crystal clear from the outside of the community. When I was inside of it, it was way muddier because as you so saliently just mentioned, it was serving me That's what and um, except for the category of being a man, <laughs> I fit every other privileged category. And right. so I was in all the top drawers, except for that one tricky woman thing. Um, but so privilege is a reliable enemy of discernment. And so, That's right.
0: Oh, that's a great line. Say yeah. that again, Jen. Say that one yes. more time.
1: Yes. Privilege is a reliable enemy of discernment. So the yes. more we have, the more we better be willing to say, I bet I have some really, really devastating blind spots um, and I should be prepared to examine those at all costs and be a humble listener, and a humble learner, and listen to the voices that are disenfranchised and marginalized, not the ones that are centered, mm-hmm. um, and and then believe what they say.
0: Well, that's a great stopping point for this first uh, episode because I want us to pursue that question a good bit more in as we uh, continue our conversation. Great. Jen Hatmaker, who is an author, a, a Christian leader, a speaker, and a great, free spirit uh, mm. who oh, is nice. fierce free and full of fire that's the title of her new book and go buy it and read it and give it to your friends and all of that because you too may become uh, more your glorious you uh, mm. if you do so
1: thanks for having uh, me on that's nice oh, what a nice thing to say
0: you're so welcome. Well, thanks for all that you do, Jen. And we we got started talking in uh, at the end of the last episode about all these ways that we have experienced privilege and why that gets in the way mm-hmm. of spiritual growth and of the transformation of society so that it would become more like the dream of God for the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, and, and, and it just seems to be a stopper because we, those of us who have power and privilege, whether it be yeah. because you are male, white, rich, straight, yeah. uh, whatever the case may be, these things just get in the way mm-hmm. of being able to see everyone as actually fully human. Uh, yeah. and uh, equal before God and uh, uh, creating a more equitable and just society. So um, I want to hone in on something because obviously you have a tremendous ministry contribution to women. Mm. Uh, this is sort of your sweet spot, and yeah. I, I don't want to say in any way that you're, you're limited in that because I've mm-hmm. learned from you as well and uh, respect uh, who you are and what you do. Mm. Um, so... But let's, let's talk about that pernicious continuing problem of patriarchy in the church. Mm. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was reading the book Sapiens uh, by Yuval uh, Harari, and you know, he was talking about uh, all the ways that in evolutionary time in the history of human beings, you know, people have been able to figure out how to transcend certain things because we understand where they came from. He said, we, we can't really figure out where patriarchy came from, though. It would be easy mm. to say, well, it was, it's you know, rooted in Christianity or something. And that's not true, really. It's, right. it's been a cross-cultural of uh, phenomenon. And, and yet, uh, we seem to use, have, have used our faith to reinforce it rather than to challenge yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, why do you think that is? And wh- mm. tell us what it feels like to, to hear over and over again uh, this assertion of patriarchy being mixed in with the Christian faith.
1: That's mm. an interesting discussion around its origin story. Um, mm-hmm. That probably talk about that for hours. Really, yeah. there's a lot to consider there. And um, however once a system like patriarchy has operated with such precision, century after century, after century, it's, it's just, it's no longer wet cement, you know, it is in stone. And, and, and it's, it's not even that just that it's that every single working system that you and I know and experience Mm -hmm. have been built on and around patriarchy and so it's not a it's not neutral it's not as if well we built this system and over here was this problem of patriarchy Um, every single thing including religion and church and how that was organized uh, all of our justice systems obviously Hmm. um our corporate cultures we just it, it was all wrapped around the preservation of the patriarchy because it was designed by men and so it's a big mountain. This is no joke. I mean, it is not a side player um, no. to the systems that we find ourselves in. And so, you know, when I think about how many women and girls o- over the history of time have been silenced and let's just, let's just hone it into the church. Cause that was your question. How many women and girls have had to abandon their extraordinary gifts because they were not permitted to have any spiritual authority. I could howl at the moon. I am so grieved for it. Can you even imagine where we would be today? Had girls and women been unleashed equally into their gifts and into their calling? Had they led the church side by side with the men? Um, Had they been preaching from the pulpits to the same degree that the men had? Had they formed our help formed our structures? Had they helped, um, form our, um, our biblical thought, our hermeneutics. Can you even imagine where we would be? I cannot even imagine it. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a very long unraveling process to begin to even begin here. And I see there have always been dissenters, both men and women. There have been some incredible instances of men who've been staunch feminists, inside the church, um, against, against all the rest of the grain. And so, um, I just, I think what matters right now is that what I'm telling women, we uh, utterly cannot wait for a system to overturn itself. It won't ever do it. It will not do it. As you and I talked about in the last episode, it just, it serves the powerful people at the top and they will not concede their power. They never have, and they never will. And so if we are waiting for equality to just matter to everybody, or if we are waiting for equity to be the standard operating procedure, we're going to go to the grave still waiting. And so it is upon us to challenge the system. It is our work um, to oppose and, and press hard against these forms that have created such inequality both gender, in every way that you just mentioned, every category.
0: Right. Um, and so to me, this is, this is akin to, in a way, uh, the conversations that I'm having with my African-American friends right now, right. where, you know, what they do not want is uh, white allies who uh, are going to be kind enough to promote a race neutral society. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Right? You know, I That's mean, That's a great example. So you, you are either anti racist or you are part of the racist racism racism problem that's right uh, because you're participating in a system that benefits you at the expense of someone else and so similarly it seems to me that in in dealing with patriarchy in the church um, you're either a feminist now uh, Mm. uh, you're either promoting the full equality of women and that means taking very real steps to initiate change to yes. uh, to, to strengthen that, or, or you are conceding to uh, the idea that these are just elusive ideals, and mm. they'll take care of themselves if God yep. so wills or whatever. Yes. and it, it it actually continues to neglect the fact that women are in pain. They mm. are fa- they they are not being allowed to live into their created value and their created mission.
1: Mm. The good news, if there's good news to be had here, is that we are actually in a moment in our very own culture. Um, and and American, evangelicalism, American evangelicalism is a beast. But even here, mm-hmm. we are in a moment where those faith communities absolutely exist. Yes. where men and women are equally valued, where boys and girls are equally raised up in strength. And so I mean this nicely. I, I, this might sound harsh and I don't mean it too, but I, the way that I advise people who are, they feel trapped inside a faith community that is keeping people out. So be that the women, the LGBTQ brothers and sisters in Christ, um, the people of color, whatever it is, um, you can leave. <laughs> yeah, You can walk right out the door. Um, right. There is not a lock on that door. Right. And in fact, the longer we stay inside of those communities, even with a lot of internal tension, I mean, even if we've got a lot of cognitive dissonance with the leadership or with the structures or with the polity, um, we're still there. Right. And our presence is still validating those systems. And That's so... Right. It's a courageous thing to say, I won't even sit here anymore. I will not right. sit in a place where even if I am not being actively disenfranchised, I know they are. I know right. my friends are. Um, I, and I think we vote with our feet. And we mm-hmm. just walk our feet right into the faith communities that value every human person in the room equally.
0: You know, um, you're telling the story of a, a dear friend of mine, Lindsay Bruhl, who is a member of our church now and she grew up in the Church of Christ, and it was Mm. your Moxie Matters tour in Dallas that she went to. She she was feeling like she couldn't do it anymore, and partly because of her uh, commitment to equality for LGBTQ persons. Even though she was deeply frustrated about her role as a woman in the church, Mm. it was her sympathy for uh, her gay friends that uh, made her realize she couldn't stay. But uh, because we helped sponsor your tour that uh, in, I in Dallas, she found out about our church. And by the way, she's now uh, it, it finished her first year of her master of divinity program at uh, Perkins School of Theology. So so good. It's it's, it's a beautiful story. But mm. if if I were to tell you more about that and, and speak for her, I'm, she's going to be embarrassed that I'm doing so. But um, but the the consequences of staying in those mm. environments. Uh, is that you bear the trauma. That's right. With you all the way. I mean she, her story is is one that's beautiful but every once in a while she still has these meltdowns about, you know, her sure. her experience that that she is still dealing with and and this is why it's so important. Not only that people have permission to walk but let me say it a different way too and that is People in churches like ours, who disagree with this direction, they also have permission to walk. You're um, right. And you know, 300 of them walked out the door of our church. Right. But here's the thing: they had a lot of places they could go. They sure did. And 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 others didn't. And we we've had more than that join our church during these past few years, and I'm sure yeah. you have as well. Right. Uh, but but absolutely making safe space for people to grow into the full, fullness of their created design is, is what's mm. crucial, isn't
1: it? Mm. It's so such a joy to do it too. Uh, the, it's such a marked difference. And even the songs sound different. Um, my friend, Mike McCarg, I don't know if you've met him. He's mm. he. You know he goes by Science Mike,
0: oh, and he's yeah, a part. Yeah, yeah okay, he's yeah, a part I'm of the Liturgists. Yeah,
1: yeah. right. He's on the liturgist podcast, and mm-hmm. um, he came to our church and is deeply skeptical, deeply cynical. Yeah. He would say that if he was right here, uh, of all things, religion and organized religion. And he came to our church. This is so classic, Mike. He didn't even know it was mine and Brandon's. He happened to be in Austin. He was doing a thing. He asked around what would be a church where I could go and I wouldn't be worried that people were being disenfranchised there. And he apparently got the name of our church. So he shows up and he's in the balcony, doesn't even know we're there. And he told me later after I found him in the lobby and he said, I haven't been in church in a while. And he's like hearing, knowing seeing with my eyes that LGBTQ people are deeply cherished here. I see this. Um, hearing some of those songs that I used to sing 10 years ago through the ears of that community. He's like, I couldn't quit crying. They, it was, they were, they were, they meant something again. They were real. They were true. They weren't a trope. They didn't only apply to 50% of the people. Um, And so, you know, God just, he could just be fresh all over again. Mm -hmm. And these sorts of communities invite him in, in a way that is so vibrant, and it feels like spiritual flourishing again. And what used to just feel stale to me has fresh new life in it again. It's that, that root coming up to the sidewalk, to use your um, metaphor again. It's just wonderful. What a great – how lucky are we that we get to be a part of that?
0: Yes, I agree. And this is part of the pain that I think we bear also for those who can't get there, right?
1: Mm, yeah. Uh, and,
0: it's uh i yeah. i feel like oh you're missing out on something oh. here in 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 the in the spiritual life and uh and and for yeah. your family and for your own uh experience of the world god put us yeah. in uh this possibility of relationships i'll tell you who i feel maybe as sad for as anyone and that is um it feels like the stockholm syndrome when i yeah. uh, when when older women in the church Mm. uh, just have a hard time with younger women finding their place and finding their voice. Uh, It's um, it's almost like they're saying, um, you know, we, we know we didn't have a choice, but we sort of made the choice to live within that world, and we did fine. And Uh, Are you telling us we're supposed to have regrets about this now? And, you know, and and I feel for them. I really do. Mm. Uh, Because many of them found a way in their time to subvert the system. And they couldn't say that they that's what they were really doing. And maybe even didn't know that's what they were doing. But they Mm. produced people like you. You know, yeah, uh, you're right. People like me. My yeah. mother and I, for instance, you know, don't agree about a lot of things, although she has really come along and changed uh, mm. a great deal. She's not quite Brandon's mother who actually yeah. uh, read yeah. and studied yes, and changed her did. mind about it, but she's she come did. a long way, and I'm really proud of her. Um, but a lot of women have had a hard time. I think older women have had a hard time with uh, the, the new equality that they're yes. sensing in the church. What do you make of yeah. that, Jen?
1: Yeah, I have so much compassion for that, too. And I think it means that some of that onus is on us, This next, uh, the next generation of women who are coming up in freedom, if you will, mm-hmm. to honor the women who came before us. There you go. And you go. to deeply respect the work they did in their time to the capacity they could do it. And that's, that's I already know, I have a 20-year-old daughter. She turns 20 tomorrow this next generation is already 10 miles ahead of where we were at their age, 10 miles. They right. are free in ways I did not even know to think about until I was <laughs> in my 30s, really my right. 40s. Right. And so every single generation goes a little further than than one behind them. And so when I put myself in those shoes, if my daughter and her, her peers came to me older and sort of shamed me, for the for the, the miles I wasn't able quite yet to walk, but they right. were that would break my heart. Yes. And so I right. I think we honor the women before us, even as they have possibly some understandable resentment. Um, for the areas we are able to go now that they Mm -hmm. they did not have access to. Um, And I think that'll be the story, hopefully, generation after generation after generation, as freedom just keeps rolling out as God always intended. Uh,
0: It it reminds me of the the, the Sunday that we voted on LGBT inclusion in our church. Mm -hmm. I preached a sermon, and uh, I remember that I came to a moment that I hadn't really prepared and I just, you know, I'm like pretty prepared. I'm yeah. a very like PhD white guy. So I'm, you know, yeah. I, I got the manuscript going, you know, yeah. and all of that. But I, I did feel a moment and, and said, some of you here today, this is the last time you're going to be worshiping with us. Mm-hmm. And you've been here for much of your adult life. Oh, and you're probably wondering how we're going to feel about you when oh. you leave. Oh, and I said, we're going to honor you Mm. and thank you for all the ways that you made us the church that we have been Mm. over all this time, the sacrifices and love and service that you made. And it may be that we're not going to walk the next part of the journey together, but we'll thank you. And when you come back, you'll Mm. be welcome here. That's and so I think that was it. Was a big moment. Um, it was a moment for me. I, I will tell you, I said more than I felt mm. in that moment.
1: I understand that.
0: I was trying to convince myself yeah. that that's what that. I needed yeah. to think. And yeah. I've done better with some than others uh, in the and years following. That too. And yeah. I'm struggling with with some, but I'm sure. I'm, I'm healing too. Uh, yeah, and, you that's know, right. The, the sense of, um, of of betrayal and uh, and and loss the pain went both ways, you know, and I'm not sure everybody fully understands that. Right.
1: That's right. That's, but you know, I, I'm happy that you told that story. We worked really hard to part with blessings as well in our church. We also, of course, lost a lot of people, people that we loved. They loved us, Mm -hmm. um, deeply painful. Um, but you know, as I hear you saying that when one driving impulse that I have had throughout this whole evolution, if you will, and then all the changes that come with that, and, and it is disruptive, um, yeah. is that whatever moment I'm in, however painful, scary, unknown, dark, whatever I'm losing um, before, it, before the gain, before I know where I'm gonna land, all of it, this impulse that I had was, I wanna behave right now. I wanna respond, and and act in a way that I will be proud of one year from now. Ah. So I gave myself a future check-in. Like, (laughs) will you be, it might feel good to burn this down right in the moment. It might just be a good um, outlet for your fear and your sadness, but will you be proud of it in one year? And I still use that as a metric
0: Um,
1: that Uh, taking it on the chin sometimes and staying silent in the moment feels like the worst possible punishment. Mm -hmm. A year later, it feels like integrity. A year later, it feels like wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, A year later, it feels honestly like godliness. And so um, I I think you demonstrated that when you even forced yourself to say those beautiful parting words, um, because now you can be proud of those and that probably mended a lot of hearts.
0: I hope so. You know, I I think you mentioned in the book that there's a, a kind of fundamentalism of the left as well as the right. You know, that- Totally. That, you know, those of us who are more progressive uh, that sounds to more conservative people like uh, the same kind of arrogance we accuse them of, right? You yes. know that um, we're we're going where the spirit's going. We know that, and you just you're just ignorant, and you can't you know yeah. get there with us. I, I'm I'm reminded of a a, a poem by um, Robert Frost where he talks about how we need a need a revolution by half. Um, mm. because most revolutions just actually, you know, chop the heads off of the, the, the royals and then they move into the palace and they become the same, uh, you mm. know, so uh, they just perpetuate systems. Right. It's just who's in there. Sure. And so, you know, it, it does seem to me that part of what the goal has to be here is not that we win and somebody else loses, but That's that good. we learn that there's a new way to live together. Um, to to respect one another, to defer to one another, and to um, you know to to be on this journey. So I, I think that's some of the tempering of uh, our progressivism is that humility that has to be called for. too.
1: yeah, I hope so. And you're exactly right. The same cancel culture can mm-hmm. exist in any subgroup, and so those rules of engagement are not. Specific to a conservative evangelical community at all, and right. and it, we it's a it's tempting, it's yeah. tempting to slip right into it in a different zip code because it feels like vindication. You know, yeah. it feels like, oh, finally I get to be on the other side of this thing. But it's just as harmful and it's just as unfair. Power works the same in any subculture.
0: That's, there you it know? is. Power it works the same. It does. And
1: so that's what we keep our eye on. Wherever we are, we keep Mm -hmm. our eye on our privilege. We keep our eye on power because those are corrosive and they're corruptive. And it doesn't matter what package we drop them into. It can ruin it. It can Mm -hmm. absolutely, even if it began with the most beautiful motives, even if it was Mm -hmm. altruistic to its core at the beginning. Um, And so, like I said on the last episode, privilege is a reliable enemy of discernment. Yep. And so mm-hmm. that, I think, is when we keep our eye not on power, but we keep it on humility. When we keep it not on necessarily always being a leader, but also being a listener, being a learner, Beautiful. Beautiful. that'll keep us in check. That'll keep us to the ground where we belong, mm-hmm. um, able to be flexible, able to say I was wrong, able to say I'm sorry, able to say I forgive you, able to say I got that wrong, can I repair it? Mm-hmm. able to say, if I had it to do over, I would do it this way. Yes. Um, pride keeps mm-hmm. us from all of that work, wherever right. we are, along mm-hmm. ideology. And so I hope that I've learned that lesson. I can see how it's still an impulse remains to, to be mm-hmm. angry and to burn things down and kick people out for getting it wrong. Um, but that's just as destructive anywhere.
0: So how do you uh, pull the veil back a little bit and and tell us if you have any Consistent or regular grounding practices that just kind of mm. keep you moored, uh, keep mm. you rooted, uh, when it feels like uh, you're being drawn back into a way of thinking about yourself that's destructive, or yeah. you 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 feel like you know maybe you're losing track of yourself. What what are some of those uh, things that you come back to?
1: Yeah, that's a good question and important an important one to ask because my particular work is so deeply located on the internet what a Mm -hmm. weird time what a weird thing to say what a weird sentence i wouldn't even know what that meant 20 (laughs) years ago um um the same place that can be very powerful for me can also be very damaging. And everything is outsized on the internet. Criticism is outsized. Emotions can be outsized. Civility, the lack of civility can be outsized. Um, And even just my sense of who I am can be displaced into kind of this digital space. And so Mm -hmm. for me, just because that is such a huge part of my work, I always find when, when, when my body starts giving me the red flags, like you are, you are disintegrating. You are, you are not doing well. You are headed toward unhealth. So you feel
0: it in your body. Yeah.
1: My body always tells me she is never wrong. She is team Jen. She is always trying to keep me like safe and healthy and whole. And, and I notice when that happens, I am disproportionate, disproportionately online Mm. that um, my Uh. I've, I've, I've triaged some of my in real life relationships. I am disconnected from the human people. Um, Mm -hmm. I am out of my rhythms. I am working too much. I'm, I'm still here past the moment. I should have already been logged off and it's very predictable. And I'm like, Oh, whoops, whoops. I slipped back in. And so for me, just this, I know it sounds so trite and everybody's saying it right now, but the process of unplugging and okay. shutting all the screens down and mm-hmm. being in my life with my mm-hmm. friends. I've had the same friends for 20 plus years, like right. way before there was like a gin hat maker. Yeah, They're just yeah. kind of like, oh, who cares? You know, An old friend, I've been married for 26 years, Good. you know, my church, just being back on the ground in my body, in my skin with the people, off the thing, um, it's very, very grounding for me.
0: Okay. So we're going to get off the thing here in just a moment. <laughs> yes, we're, we are. We're, we're coming to the end of our time together. And uh, thank you so much for um, for being with me. So I'm, I'm going to ask okay. you the question. Okay. Uh, I'm going to turn it back to you.
1: Okay.
0: BBT's uh, question. Okay. Yeah. So what's saving your life right now? Or who?
1: Well, I know I'm probably supposed to answer this in a really spiritual way, but... I'm going to answer it in an honest way, my husband, who is like cooped up like a cage animal right now in this quarantine, he is a raging extrovert. This is his worst nightmare. He's just figuring out any which way to build excitement into the family, to build activity and enthusiasm into this same house that we're always in. So he put, you, it's literally right here. I'm looking at it three feet outside my office door he put in this big huge above ground pool on our patio he does, he says we can't call it an above ground pool we have to call it a happy hour pool and it is hilarious and we're in that thing all the time we have floaties we have a little cabana we <laughs> i mean we have tiki torches We've done the thing. And so the happy hour pool is saving my life right now. And that is no joke. That's
0: that's awesome. That's terrific. Well, what a beautiful way to finish. And uh, very much in your spirit. And we thank you, Jen. Uh, Thanks for being a companion on the journey.
1: Same to you. Same to you. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for tuning into Good God. We're grateful to provide this for you during this time of COVID-19 isolation and we hope that it is a consolation to you during this time. There have to be lots of ways that we reach each other and even though we can't be in a studio as we normally are producing these, we're finding the technology using Zoom and and communicating it to you through this programming. Uh, We hope that you'll find it to be encouraging to you as we make our way through these difficult days. God is created by Dr. George Mason, produced and directed by Jim White, social media coordination by Cameron Vickery. Good God Conversations with George Mason is the podcast devoted to bringing you ideas about God and faith and the common good. All material copyright 2020 by Faith Commons.